From heaven the new Jerusalem came, for Christ as bride prepared. A voice resounding from the throne these wondrous things declared. Now God has come to dwell with men and moved his blessed abode. His people they shall be at last, and he shall be their God. In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Back when our children were in grade school, from time to time, I'd pick them up at the end of their day and deliver them to a parishioner who would take care of them for the afternoon. And as we pulled out of the pickup line, I'd ask them the very same series of questions and get the same set of non-responses every time. How was your day? Fine. Well, what did you learn? Nothing. Can you tell me anything from your day? Daddy, stop asking so many questions. But I wanted to know. So I went to my go-to dad for advice, someone who is known to many of you, Father Ken Weldon. For those of you who don't know Ken Weldon, he's a priest in the diocese, and as the son of a high school coach, he has the best schoolyard advice that money can't buy. So I went to Ken Weldon and I said, Ken, you got to help me. I pick my kids up from school. I ask them these questions. They tell me nothing. He said, oh, Odell, here's what you got to do. Have you ever heard of Rose, Thorn, and Bud? And I said, no, I haven't heard of Rose, Thorn, and Bud. What's Rose, Thorn, and Bud? He said, okay, here's what you do. When you pick your kids up, you tell them we're going to play a game. And here's how the game works. Everyone shares, goes around, takes turn, and shares a rose, that's something good from the day, a thorn, that's something not so good from the day, and a bud, that's something you're looking forward to. Now, Odell, it's not really a game, but they won't know any better. If you tell them it's a game, they'll play it. And he was right. I picked them up from school, we played the game, and we've been playing it ever since. Rose, thorn, and bud. It's a wonderful way to get a window into someone's life. One of the things I've learned about this game is that when a person does not have a rosebud, that is something he's looking forward to, he's in trouble. Now, the bud doesn't have to be anything particularly big. On some days, the bud might simply be the fact that you're going to just jump into bed and, and after a long day and collapse. That could be your bud. But there are times and seasons in life when even the simple pleasures of life, like eating or getting a good night of sleep, can lose their joy. And what I've learned is that if a person doesn't have any kind of rosebud, even a little rosebud, then that is not good. I think that for many of us in these last couple of years, COVID was a season without rosebuds. Even those of us who escaped the physical aspects of the illness still had a cloud of darkness descend upon us as all those things we were looking forward to. Graduations, weddings, baptisms. All those buds were slowly clipped away. And I don't know about you, but there, were, there was a time when even sleep became elusive. So when it came time for our family's daily rose, thorn, and bud, we couldn't even fall back on a good night of sleep as our rosebud. Friends, we do not do well when we have nothing to look forward to. We need hope. 
We need a rosebud to carry us through the challenges of each day. And what we've seen on display these last couple of years is an unveiling of a world that has lost its hope with a capital H. You see, while people have hopes and dreams for this life, and and thanks be to God for them, out there on the horizon, just beyond our mortal gaze, where the edge of life is, for many, there is only a dark cloud on that horizon. There may be rosebuds within the confines of this mortal life, but the human mind and the human heart have the capacity to look beyond the confines of this mortal life. And for many people around us, perhaps for some of you here today, beyond the boundary of death, there is only darkness. There is no sunlight beyond that boundary to keep the rosebud of hope alive. And yet we humans, we are very good at denial. And the pleasures and demands of this life are normally enough to distract us from having to look out at that boundary. But you see, COVID took all those distractions away. And the whole world was forced to look at that boundary between life and death. And for many, it was terrifying to be confronted by that boundary. Because without the promise of eternal life, there is no ultimate rosebud. There is no hope with a capital H. About 10 years ago, I was serving on the board of a free medical clinic, and we brought in a consultant to help us formulate a strategic plan. We went around the room and shared our hopes for the ministry. And in response, this consultant challenged us with a phrase that had become very popular in political circles at that time. She looked at us and said, hope is not a plan. In other words, she was saying to us, it's going to take more than just your hopes to get you where you want to go. You need a plan. And there is certainly truth in that phrase. Hope is not a plan. But friends, it's also true that if you don't have hope, you aren't going to plan. In fact, if you don't have hope, well, we don't want to do much of anything. We do not do well when we have nothing to look forward to. And this is why God Almighty ripped open the veil that separates us from eternity. And He ushered His servant John in to see with His own two eyes the greatest rosebud of all time, the new heavens and the new earth. And God instructed John to write his vision down so that you and I might have a reliable and written account of what awaits us beyond the horizon of this mortal life. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Very few of us are encouraged to use our imaginations in our everyday life. Sure, if you are an artist, then you are accustomed to using your imagination. But for most of us, our imagination is like a muscle that has atrophied from lack of exercise. 
As children, we would look up into the sky and we would use our imaginations to transform the clouds into animals or faces or objects all around us. But we don't do such things anymore as adults. Our imagination is like Grandpa Joe in that movie, Willy Wonka. It's been sitting in the bed for years. And the book of Revelation is like a physical therapist who bursts into the house completely uninvited without having the courtesy to even knock on the door. And Revelation yanks us out of bed and says, all right, get out of bed and let's get to work. Let's get the muscles of that imagination moving again. Friends, use your imagination. Use your imagination and let this image of hope enlighten your soul. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now thanks be to God. Some of you here today have never experienced the dark night of the soul. Thanks be to God, some of you here today have never experienced what it's like to spend the entire night weeping as the psalmist explained when he said, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all the day long, where is your God? Thanks be to God, some of you have never had to feast on your tears. But some of you have. Some of you know what it's like to weep so long that you run out of tears. And what does God promise? He promises that there will come a day when we will return to Eden and God will be our companion and He will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. Friends, that is a promise some of you know what it's like to live in a life of pain. Or perhaps worse still, to watch someone you love suffer through a life of pain. But what does God promise? God promises that one day His Son will return again and He will make all things new and there won't be any pain anymore. Only laughter and joy. Now that day is in the future. But the Holy Spirit of God wants to take hold of your imagination if you will only let Him so that He can place you there in your mind's eye within the rosebud of that future promise. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. You might be thinking, what, what good will this do all, us, all, all this imagining the new Jerusalem? And the answer is that this rosebud, this promise of God, has the power to change you into the image of Christ. 
Every Sunday we pray a prayer that's assigned for that particular day. We, we call these prayers colics. We call them colics because these prayers are designed to gather or collect the thoughts, our thoughts as a community and focus them into a succinct prayer. And every collect follows the same formula. Every collect begins by stating something that's true about God. Now, I hope this goes without saying, but that's not for God's benefit. God already knows what He's like. So why on earth do we begin all of our colics by stating something that's true about God? We do that so that that truth will shape our prayer. We do it so that that truth will will give us hope and courage to pray with boldness. We begin by reminding ourselves of what is true about God so that we can pray in the light of that truth. Today's collect is no exception. If you'd like to see it with your own two eyes, it's at the top of page six. It follows the same formula. It begins, O God who hast prepared for those things who love thee, such things as pass man's understanding. That is, you are a God who provides rosebuds that are beyond our comprehension. And the greatest of these things you have prepared is the new Jerusalem, where there will be no pain, no tears. And based on that fact that you are a God who prepares things for those who love you that are beyond our comprehension, we are motivated then to ask, Lord, please pour into our hearts such love toward Thee. That is, Lord, we put our cards on the table. We know we don't always love You. We know we chase after all sorts of things instead of chasing after You. We want to love You, but we can't seem to get this thing to work right. So please, come in here and heal it. Fill this heart of mine with love for you because I can't do it. And why? To what end? Well, the colic continues. That we, loving thee in all things and above all things, may obtain thy promises, thy rosebuds, which exceed all that we can desire. That is, Lord, give us hearts that love you and pursue you. Give us a desire to stay in relationship with you, even though everything in this life seems to conspire against that relationship, including our own hearts. Please grant us the grace to love you in all things and above all things that we might come to obtain residence in the new Jerusalem. And how do we presume to come to the God of the universe and ask such things? Come to the one who we just admitted we don't love wholeheartedly? How do we presume to come to him and ask for his grace and promise? Not based on our merit. Not based on our deserving. No, we pray these things through the only name that is worthy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, my point is this. Colics remind us of what is true about God in order to shape our prayers to God. 
And to a much greater degree, God has given us a picture of what He promises in the new Jerusalem so that that promise might enlighten the very pathway of our lives. He's inviting us to use our imagination to see the greatest rosebud of all time, the new heavens and the new earth, so that we can live our lives enlightened by that hope. It has the power to transform your heart and give you the strength of a lion. It has the power to reshape your life as you walk in the confidence that this world is not all there is. It has the power to animate you in the midst of whatever wreckage you might find yourself in. Friends, this promise of God has power. If only you will allow the Holy Spirit to ignite your imagination to see it, to trust it, to revel in it. Now, I know some of you are thinkers. And those of you who are thinkers or ponderers, you're going to walk out of here this morning, perhaps thinking on these things, and your, your wheels are going to begin to spin. And you're going to be like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who said to the angel, how can this be? How can this be? How can it be that the same people who fight and quarrel and sin against each other in this life, how can it be that we will be any different in the next? Well, God provides the answer through His servant John as He continues to relay this vision in verse 22. Listen to what He writes. He notices something that's odd. John writes, And I saw no temple in the city. Now that's strange. Why on earth is there no temple in Jerusalem of all places? But then he goes on to describe the reason for this curiosity. And I saw no temple in the city. Why? For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. You see, the purpose of a temple is to provide a space like we have here today where the people of God can step away from the distractions of the world and focus on Him. But you're not going to need a temple in the New Jerusalem. If you want to meet with God, you just walk up to Him and talk to Him. If you've got a question for Jesus, His Son, the Lamb, you, you just walk up to Him and you ask your question. And when your soul begins to well up with joy and gratitude and you think, I want to worship God, you just walk up and worship Him. Join the other worshipers. How is it possible that broken sinners can go from this world where we hurt each other and rebel against God, how is it possible that the very same people can live in the new Jerusalem without completely ruining it? The answer is the proximity and presence of God. We will go from having a long-distance relationship with God to an in-person relationship with God. And that will make all the difference. When I was in college, I was in a long-distance relationship. If you've ever been in a long-distance relationship, then you know that long-distance relationships are the pits. This was at a time when email was just coming out, so I would go down into the basement of the library, 
log into this ancient computer system with the glowing green letters on the screen and I'd type out my message. But as I said, it was the early days of email and as a young man, I hadn't quite figured out that email is not a great medium for communicating anything of emotional substance. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks, the communication began to break down and that relationship got stuck in a ditch. Long-distance relationships are the pits. The only thing that got that relationship back on track was a phone call where we could hear each other's voices, followed by a visit in person where we could see each other's expressions and hold each other's hands. But it continued to be a challenge, that long-distance relationship. Friends, even though the Holy Spirit is in our hearts, even though God is closer than our breath, as the psalmist reminds us when he wrote, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, even so, in this life, we experience our relationship with God as like a long-distance relationship. We have miscommunications with God. He goes quiet and we start to panic. We assume the worst in his intentions. We forget that he is present with us, and so we start to harm each other and do bad things to each other and hurt each other. But it's not going to be like that in the New Jerusalem. Because we'll go from having a long-distance relationship with God to an in-person relationship with God. Have you ever had a relationship with someone who made you a better person? Maybe it was a teacher or a mentor, maybe it was a friend or a spouse, but just by being around that person, it caused you to be a kinder person, a gentler person, a giving and more forgiving person. Have you ever had someone in your life like that? Well, use your imagination. If a fellow human being can have that kind of effect on us just by their presence with us, then imagine the effect that God will have on us when we move into the same neighborhood. It's the presence and proximity of God that will make the new Jerusalem a place without tears or pain, a place without sin or selfishness, a place of wonder, joy, and delight. His presence will make us into the people we were meant to be. So friends, in this long-distance relationship, we need to hold fast and trust in the Lord. We need to remind ourselves about what is true about God. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill our imaginations with that truth. That God is trustworthy and faithful. That He has promised a rosebud that is beyond our imagination. Residence in the new Jerusalem. We need to remind ourselves of these things so that we can live our lives in the light of them. And so that in a world that has lost its hope with a capital H, in a world that has no ultimate rosebud, we might be a beacon of light drawing those who have no hope into the light of our hope. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. 
and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, may the light of that vision enlighten your pathway both this day and in the days to come. Let's pray. Lord God, you have given us the promise of eternal life with you. Fill our imaginations, we pray, with the grandeur of this promise that we might walk in the light of it. Make us heavenly-minded, Lord God, that we might be of some earthly good, drawing those who have no hope into fellowship with you. For we ask these things in the name of the one who is the light of the world, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.